Good morning. We have one rather special announcement that we have to make, so I have it right here. One of our members has a brother who is going to be getting married. So I put you to guess. No, it's okay. I'll tell you. Jeff and Gera. You know, we met Jeff Sisko is Jim's brother. He's getting married to Gera, and we met her when she was visiting here. And they're going to have their wedding on, I said it the date already this morning, 12... 12, 12. How about that? That's going to be the wedding date. It's at 117 Elm Street at the Mission, where Jeff serves the Lord, down in Santa Cruz. So if you'd like more details on that, you can see uh, Jim and Sonia for that, and they'll provide us with, with that information. Shall we just open in a word of prayer before we start this morning? Father, we're so thankful for our choir, Lord, and we're so thankful for Sylvia directing the choir. And we thank you, Lord, that we memorize these songs and we put them in our hearts and we learn them. And they're more than just singing songs, Lord. They are deep, meaningful words and we thank you for them. And we pray that you will use these songs, Lord, to touch hearts both today and next week and that you'll bless the choir and the junior choir, Lord. And we just pray now that you'll quiet our hearts before you as we come to open your word We pray that the Spirit of God will move in a powerful way in our hearts and have a personal message for each one of us this morning. Not just a general message, Lord, but personal for each one of us that we will take something with us in our lives and how we can live for you better in this world and serve you more. And so, Father, we pray that you'll hide me behind the cross and just pray that the words that are spoken will be your words today that we need to hear. And we just pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. It's a privilege to give the message after the choir. doesn't always happen and have that opportunity, but it is a blessing to be able to do it this morning to have before the, after the choir. You know, if you ever notice in life, there are very few things that you can really count on. Now, there's a lot of people that make promises and a lot of people make guarantees. You hear it from the presidential candidates. How many promises are they going to keep, right? You hear it from advertisers all the time. You hear it from people promising things. They'll promise you the moon, but they can't carry it out. They don't fulfill it. We're very good at making promises as human beings, but we're very poor at keeping our promises. And really, the only one in the whole vast universe who always keeps His promises is our great God. When God makes a promise in His Word, He keeps it. He keeps it right on time and he does it just the right way for all of us. And so when you look through the word of God, you see so many promises and it brings encouragement to us. If you're down or discouraged or feeling low or things are going in a rough way at work or at home or wherever you are and you pick up the word of God and you pick up one of God's promises, you can live on that promise literally for days and weeks and months. Because God's promises are uplifting, they're encouraging, they're joyful, they give us hope because God is a God of hope. And I don't know what you're going through in your life today or you don't know what I'm going through in my life today. Deep down in the recesses of our hearts, but I'll say this, we need God's promises. We need them on a daily basis. We need to avail ourselves of them and use them. And that's what our message is. The title of our message today is Awesome Promises from an Awesome God. And when you have an awesome God, His promises are going to be awesome. And He's going to deliver on those promises. 
You know, you look at the world today and you often hear such disclaimers as this. One at this price. Well, you go to buy that car. Oh, I'm sorry. We sold that one that we had at this price. God's promises are not one at this price. He's got all the promises of God for all of us. All his children can share in his promises. And that's pretty exciting to me. Or you may hear a disclaimer like this. Terms and conditions may apply. (laughs) Terms and conditions may apply. If you don't meet the terms and the conditions, I'm sorry, we can't honor the promise. We can't honor that commitment. God doesn't put terms and conditions on it. All we have to do is come by faith and receive the promise of God and believe it and accept it and make it our own. Terms and conditions with God don't work that way. Here's another one. Limited time offer. God's promises are not a limited time offer. He offers our promises to us for now in this life and for all eternity. It's not a limited time offer. It's an eternal offer. Praise God for these promises because they last forever. The only promise that we have to be careful of on that one, though, is the promise that the rapture is coming. And so we need to get saved before that comes, because in that sense, that is a limited time offer. Only as we have life and only as we have breath can we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, because when we when the rapture happens and people are left behind, there won't be another chance. Or if a person dies, chances are over. There is no second chance. So God's promises, but they are a blessing. Here's another one for those who are fans of diet programs and exercise programs. How about this one? And not all results are typical. Oh, I like that one, right? You see the guy, he's so strong. He's gone through the exercise equipment, right? He's used all that and he looks so good and everything. Or you see these people come out, the ladies or whatever, or the men, and they show before they they went on the diet. And now they went on this beautiful diet and here they are and they've lost, it shows 120 pounds or whatever. But disclaimer, result, all results are not typical, right? With God, the results are typical because when the holy God and the awesome God gives us a promise, it's a blessing to all of us and it's going to have the great result for all of us who are trusting him. So I thank God for that. You know, when you count the promises of God in the Bible, it's a huge number. Bill McDonald said in his commentary that it's somewhere around 30,000. But there was another man who said, I actually counted them and he counted 8,810. So that's a challenge for us to go through our Bibles as we go through our Bibles and note where all the promises are. And as you do that, just think how encouraged you will be. Or if you've got your iPad or your iPhone or your tablet or smart smartphone and you want to highlight it in a color, make that the promise and see how many promises God has for you and for me. They're not just for a small group of people like for the nation of Israel. Yes, there are promises for Israel, but there's promises for all of us who know Jesus Christ. All of us. We can claim those promises and make them our own. I love what it says in 2 Corinthians verse Chapter 1 and verse 20, because it says here tremendous things. It says, for all the promises of God in him are yes and amen to the glory of God. Yes and amen. Now, can you imagine if Paul was to say that? Do you think he'd have said it this way? For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God. I don't think so. I don't think so. This is how I think Paul would have said it. In him are all the promises. And he'd say it this way. So he'd say, 
For all the promises of God in him are yes and amen. Because Paul knew what those promises were. And when you know God's promise and you got hold of that promise, it is a yes and an amen. Because God knows what he's doing. And he knew how forgetful we are. And we knew how fearful we are. And he knew how discouraged we could get. And he says, so I'm going to remind you of my promises. I'm going to put them in the Bible for you. And you've got to find them and you've got to use them. And that's what God wants us to do today. But when God says it, it's a done deal. When he makes a promise, he's going to keep it. I love what it says in Hebrews chapter 6 and verses 17 and 18 because it tells us the kind of God who makes a promise. You know, a promise is only good as the promiser that stands behind it, right? And if somebody makes a promise to you and, and says, I promise, I promise. And you say, yeah, but your track record's really bad. I don't believe you're going to say it. I don't believe you're going to do it. But when God, who has a perfect track record, says it, he's going to do it. And he's going to do it perfectly. It says in this passage, it says, Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel, and immutability just means the unchangeableness of it, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things or unchangeable things, in which is an impossible, impossible for God to lie. Did we hear that? It is impossible for God to lie. The omnipotent God, the powerful God of the universe, says in his word that it's impossible for him to lie. So when God says something, you can count on it. I can count on it. It's going to be a sure thing and it's going to be a sure thing every time. And we can rejoice in that. And he says it's impossible for God to lie. We might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. Praise be to God for that. Well, our main text this morning is in the book of Second Peter, Second Peter, chapter one. And we're going to read about Peter today. What he wrote to the Christians. Second Peter, chapter one, verses one through seven. Peter writing to all the Christians that were dispersed abroad throughout the known world at that time. He wrote the first letter to Peter. Now he's following it up with a follow-up letter. And here he says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of God, of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue to virtue knowledge to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts uh, today. Three things we want to look at this morning about the promises of God that are very, very important. Number one is the promises known. We have to know the promises. We have to know what they are and what they mean. Secondly, we have to claim the promises. A promise is only good if you claim it. 
And third, promises experienced. You have to experience the promise. You have to take that promise and put it to use and use that promise to be blessed, to be encouraged, and to be strengthened in this world. Promises known. You know, it's God's desire for each of us to have His promises, to know His promises, to understand them and to use them in our lives. They're like treasures, though. Now, some people have actually written books that list all the different promises, and that's good. But you know what God wants you to do? He wants you to find them. He says there's treasures in the Bible. There's promises in the Bible. You've got you to gotta find them. And when you come across a promise and it blesses your heart, it's so encouraging. It's so blessed. And it's so good. The story is told of a young man from a wealthy family who was graduating from high school. And the custom of that neighborhood and that community is that the parents would give their, their son or daughter a car for their graduation. Now, I can relate to this because when I graduated from high school, my dad gave me a 1969 Camaro. And it was one of the best cars, but that's an aside. But it was a great car and it wasn't new because I got it in 1975, but it was a blessing. Well, here's a young man who's waiting to get that new car uh, from his dad. He's looking forward to it. So his name is Bill, and Bill and his father spent months, months looking for cars. And the week before graduation, they found the perfect car. They finally found it. On the eve of his graduation, his father handed him a gift-wrapped Bible. Bill was so angry, he took that Bible and he threw it down and he stormed out of the house and he never saw his father again. Never saw his father again. Now, the next thing that happened was years later, his father passed away and Bill came back to his family and he came back to the house and he came back to where he was and he was looking through some of the things that his father had and and things that he was going to inherit. And he came across that Bible. By that time, of course, you can imagine how much dust was on it. He dusted off the Bible. He opened it up. And in that Bible, he found a cashier's check. And that cashier's check was written the day of his graduation. So it was the, the day of that graduation. For the exact amount needed for that car that he wanted. But because he didn't open the Bible, because he rejected it, that the promise was there. The promissory note, as it were, was there. But he didn't open it. He didn't do it. Sad to hear so many today that don't open the Bible. Don't find out God's message for them. Don't see what life God has promised. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. But they haven't opened the book. And they'll argue with you and they'll quarrel with you and the Bible is not true and it's full of myths and all that. And you ask them, well, have you read the Bible? Well, no, but if you read the Bible and the Spirit of God opens your eyes, you're going to find the truth. You're going to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, the one who died on the cross for you, and you're going to accept Him as your Savior. And the very first promise that you're going to have is that by believing in Jesus, you're going to have eternal life. John 3.16 has become a verse that so many of us appreciate and love so much. And we know it and we can quote it, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, 
but have everlasting life. That's God's promise. You have God's guarantee. If you believe in Him and you accept Jesus into your heart, into your life, He will save you and give you eternal life and a home in heaven and all the blessings of God. But you have to open the book. You have to read the message. You have to accept it. But that is a blessing. That is a promise. There's another wonderful promise that Paul gives in Romans chapter 10 and verses 9 and 10. He says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You know, you can base your life on that promise that if you accept him, if you confess him, if you take him into your heart, you'll be born again and you'll be with the Lord forever. But there are so many great promises in the Word of God. I'll tell you, you cannot believe how many there are. And the Father wants us as His children to search out the Scriptures daily and find encouragement and hope and promise in them. You know, you think God will never fail you and He never will. I read a story I'm going to share with you this morning about a father and a son And the father and the son, father loved his son very much, sent him off to school that day, never knowing what was going to happen. But when it did happen, it was a tragedy. They had a big earthquake in the town that day. And the story goes like this. A devastating earthquake measuring 8.2 on the Richter scale shook Armenia as never before. Little Armand's dad had always promised him that no matter what, he would always be there for him. Well, Armand had trotted up the sidewalk and into the small school building and the earthquake had leveled the school and the officials assumed that there were no more survivors. Armand's father rushed to the scene and began digging with his hands through the rubble, through the building there. He did it for 38 hours, 38 hours digging with his own hands, digging, looking for his son that he loved so much. Finally, after all of that, he removed the debris and there was in the crawl space wedged between two slabs of concrete, Armand's dirty little face. Armand shouted, I told the others not to be afraid. My father said he would always be there for me. Armand sent the others out first. He looked at his father and he says, I knew you would never give up on me, finding me. Neither did the Lord give up on us. He loves us so much. He's never going to leave us alone. He's promised, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. When we're in trouble, he takes that trouble on himself. He cares for us even more than Armand's father cared for him. If that father, earthly father, who loved his son so much would dig in that rubble 38 hours, probably till his hands were bloody because he loved his son. How much more did God do for us when he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sin and watched him suffer and die in agony on the cross for us? And then how much does he love us now that he provides for us? And when Alan's in trouble, he's there for you, Alan. When Sandy has a, has a fall and she breaks her ankle, he's there with you, Sandy. When Gina's going through trouble and work or whatever it is, the Lord's with us. 
He's with us. He cares for us. He gives us promises. He says, I'm going to be with you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There's so many great promises from the word of God. But one of my all time favorite promises and actually it's favorite verses. I think I've decided this one's my favorite verse. It's very hard to ask a Christian who loves the Lord and his word to decide what's your favorite verse in the Bible. Isn't that a hard thing to choose? Hard to choose, right? But I think this one is because it is so powerful that it has five promises in the same verse. You say, Dean, that's a lot. Yes, five promises in one verse. I think from what I know, that's got more promises in that verse than any other verse. We'd have to research it, maybe do a Google search or whatever you want to do and find out if there's any other ones. But it goes like this. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. Five promises right there. And they all begin with I. God is speaking there. I in the first person. You pick up the Koran or you pick up any other religious book. You will not find God speaking in the first person. You will not. But in the Bible, because the Bible is the word of God of the one and only true God, you have God speaking and he speaks five things. And he says here, I am with you. Number one, I am your God. Number two, I will strengthen you. Number three, I will help you. Number four, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Five promises. Do we need those promises? Yes. Do we go through hardships in life and difficulties in life and pressure in life? Do we need his promises? Yes, we do. And his promises, as we said, are yes and amen. They're not discouraging promises. They're encouraging promises that God's going to be with us through the end. You know, it's really sad, though, that a lot of times things go unclaimed in life. And God's promises can be like that, too. We can they can go unclaimed in life. I heard on the radio the other day that there's some eight million dollars in unclaimed income tax refunds by the state of California. I can't believe it. Can you imagine if the state owes you money and you say, okay, you can keep it. I know our state needs the money, but I mean, we need the money too. And here's $8 million just sitting there waiting for somebody. Or can you imagine if you entered that Powerball sweepstakes and you held the winning ticket, right? Ah, I'm not going to claim that. Who needs $379 million, right? Or whatever, it grew up to over $500 million, I think. Who needs it? We need God's promises, but in order for them to be effective, we have to claim it. You have to take that claim thing down and say, I'm the winning person. I've got the ticket here and they'll give you the money. I think what happens with God's promises sometimes is we put them in the garage. We, 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 put them, we store them in the closet. We put them out there at the storage facilities and so forth like that. Someday I'm going to need them. No, we need to take God's promises and we need to put them in a prominent place in our homes, as it were, and in our hearts. Because God's promises to be effective, we have to know them and we have to use them. We have to find them. We can't just say, well, I'm going to I'm going to put them aside. We need God's promises. Can you imagine how strong God's promises are, how strong his angels are? One angel can put to flight the devil and all his demons, right? One angel. Well, we can turn that around and also say one promise from God can make the devil flee 
and all his demons and all these things because one promise is so powerful from God. How about 8,810? Or if it is true, 30,000. I mean, how about that? Those promises can bless us so very much. They're great and they're precious promises. John Bunyan, the great writer of Pilgrim's Progress, once said, the pathway of life is shrewn so thickly with the promises of God that it is impossible to take one step without treading upon them. Can you imagine if you went out into a field and it was covered with certain things on the ground? Let's say it was an orchard and there was all kinds of apricots there. And wherever you stepped, there was an apricot. Apricot there, apricot there. You can't even walk across the orchard without stepping on the apricots, right? Well, God's promises are like that. They're throughout the Bible. You can't even pick it up. I challenge you today, pick up your Bible and read a chapter or read a few verses. You're going to find a promise. And you're going to find one that's going to meet your situation that's going to help you through the difficult times you go through. You know, the Apostle Paul was trying to convince the Corinthians that that you shouldn't be there shouldn't be divisions and you shouldn't say I am of Paul or I am of Cephas or I am of Apollos. He said this in first Corinthians three, twenty one to twenty three. Therefore, let no one boast in men for all things are yours. There's a promise. All things are are yours. As soon as we get saved, God is our heavenly father, our rich heavenly father says, all things are yours now. I give it all to you, all the inheritance, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours and you are Christ and Christ is God's. That's why when you read this passage that we had there from first Peter, it's so beautiful because it talks about What God has given us, he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Can he give you any more than that? All things that pertain to life and godliness. It's a blessing. It's tremendous. Tremendous. Just think, we oftentimes read that story around Christmas time about Simeon. Now, here's an example of a person who had a promise from God. When he was probably a very young man, God promised him. And he was, a, he was a godly Jew waiting for the coming of the Messiah. And the Lord had promised him, probably early on in life, that you're not going to see death until you see the Lord's Christ. Until the Messiah comes, you're going to see him with your own eye. Well, Simeon got to be older. He grew, he grew and got older and older, 20s and 30s and then 40s and 50s. And he grew to be a very old man. And probably some of the people, and I mentioned this before, probably said, Simeon, you might as well forget about it. You're an old man. You're not going to be around for the Messiah. The Messiah is going to be for your, your son or your grandson. We're waiting for the Messiah, but he, he's not coming. He says, no, he's coming. He's promised me. That in my lifetime, I'm going to see that Messiah and I'm going, to, I'm going to see him face to face. Sure. Okay. Sure, Simeon. Sure. Well, one day, Jesus was brought into the temple by his mother and father. Joseph, Mary, and the baby Jesus. And, they, and Mary had him in her arms. And as soon as he walked into that temple, Simeon, by the faith that God had given him and the promise of God, that is him. He's here. I've waited all these years. Messiah has come. And he took that baby Jesus in his arms and he blessed God. He says, now, Lord, you can let me depart in peace because I have seen the Lord's salvation with my own eyes. Yes, we haven't had a promise like that. 
But wouldn't it be amazing if God was to give you a promise today? You know, Jeff, you're not going to die before the rapture comes. You're going you're to be alive when the rapture comes. Wouldn't that be a great promise? We don't know exactly when the Lord's coming, but I believe that probably all of us will that are in this room be alive because He's coming soon and we have to be ready. And if you're not ready and you don't know the Lord is your Savior, you're not ready for that. You're not ready. But God has a promise today that you can be ready. You can know for sure you're going to heaven and be with the Lord by accepting Jesus as your Savior. Yes, I think that Simeon may have said it like this. He probably was so excited as he went through this whole process. said something like this. Waiting on the promise. Waiting on the promise. Waiting on the promise of God. Watching for the promise. Watching for the promise. Watching for the promise of God. Seeing all the promise. Seeing all the promise. Seeing all the promise of God. Holding all the promise. Holding all the promise. Holding all the promise of God. I think that just summarized his life. He was, he was waiting, he was watching, and then he saw Jesus, and then he held him in his arms. That was the process for him. And we can be so encouraged by that and the promises given. But it's not enough to just know God's promises, and it's not even enough just to claim his promises. We have to actually experience his promises. Promises known should be promises shown. And that's what he wants to do. Can you imagine if somebody gave you a Christmas gift and you never wore it? You never used it. You never talked about it. And you never even thanked that person for it. You'd say, what an ungrateful, ingrate. You know, what, what kind of a person is that? You give them a gift and you present it to him in a beautiful wrap like this and it's a great gift and you never see him using it, talking about it, wearing it, whatever the, what the gift may be. You say, wow, that person's not thankful. That person's not that. But before we start pointing the finger at that person, what about us? We've got a whole Bible full of promises. How, how many times do we not read them? How many times do we not claim them? How many times do we not experience them and let them bless our hearts? God said, I've given you everything in my word that you need, everything for life and godliness. We shouldn't be strangers to the promises of God. We shouldn't be strangers to the truth of God and the commandments of God either. But there they are, still in the closet, still in the garage, still in storage. You know, if you get a gift at Christmas, you don't like it very well. Where does it end up? In the closet, in the garage or in storage? No, with God's promises and God's word, it should never be like that. They should be right in the forefront with us. We should carry our Bibles with us so that we can read it during the day. We should carry it with us in our hearts. And you know, I started to think about this yesterday. Suppose in the United States they passed a law. All of a sudden, the Bible's outlawed. No more Bibles. They take away your Bible. They take away your your iPads, your tablets, smartphones, where you have your Bible. They take it away, all of it away. At gunpoint, they come in and they take them all away from us. I wonder how much of God's Word would have been hidden in our hearts that we could draw upon. Not actually physically having the Word of God in front of us anymore, but how much have we taken in our minds and our hearts? How much have we memorized? How much has it become part of us so that we could then encourage ourselves and other Christians whose Bibles were taken away also. It's a challenge for us. And again, I put a plug in for the Scripture memory class because I have memorized so many verses in this class. And it's a blessing for the kids. 
It's a blessing for the adult. We need to learn God's word and let it be part of us. That's what he told Joshua. You shall meditate on this word day and night and I'll be with you wherever you go. God's living promises. And yet, we're children of the king and yet we're living like paupers. We're living like paupers, like we're poor people. And yet, underneath us, are all the promises of God. They're all there. And here we are living poor and we have all this money. All this money. All these riches in God's truth. You know, when you have the promises of God, you can be victorious in your life. You can be an overcomer in your life. You can be patient in your walk with the Lord because you have His promises. Just like we sang in that song today, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God. That's where we need to stand. We need to put our lives in His hands and say, Lord, I'm going to stand on Your truth. I'm going to stand on Your promises. You've promised it, Lord. You promised in Your Word that You would do these things. There's some promises that we should mention here this morning. Ed can put them up on the screen, but just as is closing, he'll put, he'll put them up. The first one that we're going to mention here is... Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Ed, if you can put Romans chapter 8, verse 28 up. This is a great promise for all of us as believers. It says, And all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. That's a great verse. All things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. Now, some of God's promises comes with comes with the fact that we have to do something. You have to, if you're going to expect God to work out everything for the good in your life, you have to walk according to His will, according to His purpose, and according to His plan. Another great promise that He has given us is this. In, in Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 17, it says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I love that. And it goes on to say, Which rises against you and and every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Isaiah 54, 17. So when you look for these promises and you find these promises, you can be encouraged. I've been encouraged by the promises of God. And we can all be encouraged by God's word. But if you don't read it, if, you don't, if you're not in the word daily, your life is going to become very, very stale and very weak and very uh, sad if we're not in the, in the Word of God. But when we're in the Word of God daily and you get a message from the Lord, you get a promise from the Lord to, to hang your life on, you're going to be so encouraged. So may the Lord encourage us today to claim those promises, to know them, to claim them, and to experience them. And when we do that, it's the best. So may the Lord help us today. And if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, you've never expected, accepted God's promise, his offer, His invitation, it's still there. You can receive Him today as your Savior and you can know that you're saved. And that when you celebrate Christmas this year, it'll be a Christmas to remember because you'll be celebrating the birth of your Savior and Lord. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Father, we thank You today for Your Word. We thank You for all the promises of God that You have given us in Your Word. And we pray that You will help us, Lord, to read our words every day and find these promises and meditate on your word and obey your commandments and, and live according to your truth. This world presents us with so much of a challenge. 
And the only way that we can face it and get through it is with your power and your help and your spirit through your word. And we just pray that you'll build us up, Lord. Help us to be strong Christians and to live faithfully for you. We just thank you and praise you for this morning. Pray you'll take us home safely. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.